Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. Thanks for tuning in today. Got a bonus episode for you. I had a chance to sit down and talk with Brandon Liebowitz recently. Brandon owns and operates SEO optimizers. They've been helping small to medium-sized businesses increase their organic traffic since 2007. He has a special gift for podcast listeners. If you're looking to build a website or get more traffic for your business, we'll include that link for you in the show notes. Brandon and I had a really interesting conversation. We did talk quite a bit about search engine optimization. We also talked about building a business and finding a mentor and even ended with about five minutes of conversation about how ChatGPT, maybe you've heard of it, is going to influence the world that we live in and how businesses work. So I know that you'll benefit from listening to this conversation. Let's go ahead and get into it. Here's Brandon. Brandon, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. So you do a lot within the realm of SEO optimization. You help small and medium-sized businesses increase their organic traffic. And I'm curious, what motivates you to serve companies in this way? I just like helping businesses grow. So SEO is a way to get traffic to your website without spending money on paid ads. And I just like helping businesses get that traffic and watch them get to that next level and grow and grow and watch their traffic increase, watch their conversions or sales, leads or whatever that conversion goal is increase along with it. And yeah, that's it's a big part of it. And the freedom and flexibility of having your own company is also a big motivation where not stuck with the nine to five kind of control my hours, even though I work much more, but at least I can pick and choose and get that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Obviously, we were kind of talking before you and I are both familiar with SEO optimization. But for anyone out there who's not familiar with what that terminology means, tell us a little more about what you do. No, SEO stands for search engine optimization. So when you're searching on search engines, mainly Google kind of runs a show nowadays, there's ads at the top. 
those are all paid ads. So if you click on those ads, those companies are paying Google a couple cents per click, could be a couple dollars per click, could be a couple hundred dollars just for one click. So the ads get pretty expensive, but right below the ads are the organic, the free listings. And SEO is about getting your website in those free listings. There's 10 spots on that first page of Google. And we want to get your website listed in those free spots. But nowadays, it's not just websites that appear. When you search on Google, images appear, maps appear, videos appear sometimes, not all the time, but these are all more free places that you could show up. So if you're a local business, want to get you on Google Maps, all your images on your website, we want to optimize those. So hopefully they would show up in Google Images. Any videos, if you have those, we want to optimize those because... If you search on Google and a website appears, your images appear, your video appears, it's just more likely chances that someone's going to click onto your website. But one thing about the videos is Google owns YouTube. So when you search on Google, if you see videos, majority of the time, it's going to be a YouTube video because Google wants to promote YouTube. They don't really want to promote Facebook or any of the other platforms. So if you do have a present or have videos, I would really push them on YouTube just because Google owns YouTube and they're going to promote that as much as they can. Hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know that. I probably should have, but that's that's already a takeaway for me. So I'm glad that you shared that. Tell us a little about how you got into what you're doing. I just kind of stumbled upon it after I graduated from college, got my degree in business marketing. And the first job I got out of school was helping a company out with digital marketing. And I didn't really know much about digital marketing. They said, don't worry, we don't know much either. We're going to take you to classes, workshops, seminars and kind of learn alongside with you. And this is back in 2007. And after working there for a few months, just kind of realized SEO or websites are probably the future. Everyone's probably going to have one in the future. And there's a lot of different ways to get traffic, running paid ads, doing social media, doing email marketing, doing SEO, all works to get traffic. But I just focused more on the SEO side of things because I thought, why spend money on paid ads if you can get up there for free? So just over the years, worked at different advertising agencies as a director of SEO and before work, after work, and on my lunch breaks, I'd work on my own company and built that up to where I was able to eventually quit my job and focus solely on this. And I just kept been doing this ever since. Hmm. That's super interesting. So there's really two pieces to your story, which is, you know, on one hand, you have the work that you do with SEO optimization and organic search ranking. And then you also have this process of starting your own business. Tell us a little more about that, because I think that that's something that someone maybe they don't know much about SEO optimization or they're not, you know, interested in organic search ranking at this point, but they're curious about what it takes to start a company. Well, luckily with mine, not much overhead with digital marketing. All you really need is a computer, internet, and pretty much good to go. So when I worked full-time at this company's, well, when I first got out of school, I got my first job doing SEO for a company. And I realized I could go to like a dentist or a lawyer or a doctor or someone that's not a competitor of my current employer and reach out to them and kind of pitch them my services and see if they're interested in it. So initially is a lot of me going out and reaching out to other people before now people find me because I've built up that reputation, but initially I had to go out and cold call people, go door to door, would email people. And it was a lot of work initially, but once you get your name out there and get a little bit more established, it's a little bit easier, but initially it's just trying to figure out how to get my name out there. I mean, Craigslist was pretty popular back then. So I'd post my services on Craigslist and just kind of throwing it up all over the place and just seeing where people would find me and built it up and just kept building it up and building it up over the years. But initially I was happy to have a full-time job out of school. So 
I was happy to just get like one or two extra clients here or there over maybe like past five or six years is where I really pushed it as much as I can. Cause I was like, let me try to go all in. I'm kind of making almost the same amount that I'm making it these advertising agencies. Maybe if I just go all in, I could just keep building it up and building it up. But it was a lot of work initially. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. What did you learn about yourself and about what motivates you along the way? I learned that you definitely need help. So getting a mentor was something that was big and helped me out a lot, just growing and learning from their experiences and motivating myself was just trying to realize that I can work full time at a nine to five, or if I just build this up, probably going to work more hours, but at least I get the flexibility and freedom where I could travel and work because, you know, I don't have much overhead. All I need is my computer and internet access and I'm good to go. So that really motivated me, that freedom and flexibility of, be my own boss and working to help myself grow instead of watching somebody else grow off of my, all my hard work. But that's probably the biggest motivation is just that freedom and flexibility. Hmm. I love what you said before about realizing once you were getting started that you needed help. I think that a lot of us look at that as an admission of weakness and we don't want to ask for help, even if we know that it would benefit us or if we know that other people are doing it, there's something and maybe it's the individualist American culture that we both live in. And I imagine most of our listeners live in, but speak a little more to that. And maybe even, you know, this question of if you hadn't asked for help, how would that have impacted things going forward for you and your business? No, I mean, asking for help is not the easiest, but mentor is huge because they've been in your shoes and, They've gone through not similar or similar experiences that they could teach you and explain what works, what doesn't work and help you kind of avoid the mistakes and learn from what's worked. So you could just accelerate and grow much quicker, but it is tough initially sometimes, or even finding a mentor isn't the easiest. So I found one through actually Craigslist where I did their SEO, they built me a website. And then kind of from there, he just kept mentoring me over the years, but also realized over the years that. I want to teach classes. So I started teaching classes about eight, nine years ago. And I would teach them at different places like score.org is part of the SBA. And they, I teach classes there, but they offer mentors. So if you can't find a mentor, don't know how to find one, you just go to score.org and they'll match you up with anyone, especially nowadays with everything being online and virtual, you don't need to have a physical mentor. So that's a great way where if you're a little nervous or don't know how to find someone or ask for help, you just go on score.org and they'll match you up. But going to like networking events is a great place to find other mentors and just finding other like-minded people to help you really learn and grow because without the mentor, I would still be where I'm at, but it probably would have taken me a lot longer to get here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What were the one or two best things looking back now that you would say your mentor did for you? I'd say giving me advice about just, well, I would teach classes. So they would listen to my classes and SEO gets a little technical. A lot of my classes were just giving out too much information and making it way too technical. So they're like, kind of simplify it. Don't get so technical and in the weeds and just go for like the higher level things. So that really helped out is refining my classes and presentations to make it more digestible and not so technical where it gets a little confusing. That really helped out. And also helping me with my website, simplifying my website, because my website also had a lot of different services that kind of got a little technical. So simplifying it and making it more personable and not so technical kind of for everything 
really helped mm-hmm. out. So I guess that's where I was just overthinking things and just giving out too much information where most people didn't need all that information. They just need more of the higher level. What's important? How does this benefit me? Not how are you going to do all the steps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And I would imagine that part of what you were able to do as you refined that language was not give everything away right from the beginning, but drawing people into this conversation and showing to some degree what you were capable of, what value you could add in a way that would help them to lean in and get curious about what else that you could do or what else that you could provide. Yeah, that was the best to say, just really took it a different point of view where I'm always looking like anyone that has a website or has their own company, they look at the website all the time and they think it's easy to find all the stuff. It's easy to navigate through, but getting a fresh set of eyeballs where someone's never been to your site and watching them kind of get lost really helps you understand what's going on and what works, what doesn't work and how to make it more presentable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And I asked this question partially for selfish reasons, thinking about my own website, but I know that there's probably some listeners as well that have, you know, projects they're working on, whether it's a side gig or whether they want it to eventually be something that they do full time. But in the work that you do, what are the one or two mistakes that you most commonly see people making on their website? Uh, I would say probably not doing the keyword research. So people just put keywords on their website without researching them. And there's free tools that will let you research and see how many people actually search for a keyword every single month, such as like the Google keyword planner, free tool from Google. And you just put one or two keywords in there and they'll give you hundreds, thousands of variations sometimes of singular, plural versions, synonyms, and other variations that you might not have thought of. And they'll show you how many people actually search for that keyword every single month. So you might think this is a good keyword. Let me go after it. But maybe you find out like, the plural or a synonym might get 10 times more searches. So you want to start off doing the keyword research. Like for myself, I teach classes. So I would think SEO classes would be a good keyword, which gets a few, I think a few thousand people searching for it every single month. But when I did research, SEO training gets tens of thousands of people searching for it every single month. So I'm like, SEO training is going to be a lot better than SEO classes, even though I thought classes would be the right keyword. But you never know until you do the research. So a lot of people just guess and think that this is a good keyword because that's what they would search. But you want to really do the data check and Google Keyword Planner is going to show you all that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes me think, again, I know a little bit about SEO optimization, nowhere near as much as you do. But one of the things that I've learned is there's two big things that come into play. There is the piece that has to do with the frequency that a term is searched for. And then there's also the piece that has to do with your ability to rank on a keyword. So I think if I was to search for something like SEO training, there might be tens of thousands of searches per month for that category, which in turn makes it harder to rank depending on where you are in your business you know, as far as how much you've built that up. So speak a little more to that about how both of those pieces work together. You no, know, when you find a keyword though, like SEO training, I would, if I think that's a good keyword versus SEO classes, I would search in Google for SEO training and see who shows up. If it's a bunch of big corporations and you're a small mom and pop shop, I'd maybe skip that keyword. But if you're a big corporation and you see a bunch of big corporations ranking for that, then it might be feasible. But you want to kind of figure out, all right, where are you in the business cycle? Are you small, medium size, or large business? And when you're searching for your key or when you find a good keyword, you want to search it in Google and see who shows up. If it's all big corporations and you're just starting off, probably skip that keyword because you could get there eventually, but 
initially it's going to be really, really competitive. And you also want to find keywords that are long tail keywords. So finding a keyword that is like one word, like SEO, it's going to get a ton of searches, but there's no intent behind that search. Like what is someone searching for SEO mean? It could mean a ton of different things. It could be like, what is SEO? How do I do SEO? Find me an SEO company. I want to learn SEO classes or I want a book. Like there's no intent. So SEO would get me a ton of traffic, but a lot of those people are going to hit that back button after they get to the buy website because it's not what they're looking for. So finding keywords that are two or more words, less people are going to be searching for it, but there's intent behind that keyword. So someone searching for SEO classes, they probably want to learn SEO. Someone searching for SEO classes in Los Angeles, that means they probably want to find a class in person in Los Angeles. So it's all about knowing that intent behind that search and going for Keywords that are going to convert. You don't want to just rank for any keyword because traffic is great, but it's not targeted and it's not going to convert, then it doesn't do much for you. So going after long tail keywords that have buyer intent is really the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that requires you as your business to do some of that hard work of defining what your primary goals or objectives are and realizing you can't do everything. You can't be everything. You can't serve everyone, but what keywords, what organic search results are not only going to give us traffic, but are also going to lead to increased business. Yeah, that's a big part of it is not just getting traffic, but getting targeted traffic because a lot of people be like, oh, look, my traffic's increasing or like social media, they can get a bunch of followers, but no one's converting, then it doesn't do much for you. So going for targeted people is really more important than just finding high search volume keywords. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up, obviously, a lot of people are finding out about AI right now. ChatGPT is something that everyone, I think, has been exposed to on some level or another by now. So what are your thoughts on the relationship between AI and SEO, or maybe even just talk a little more about how you see AI impacting you know, the world of you know, search engines and website optimization? Chat GPT definitely helps out because it writes content for you. And with SEO, a lot of it is content marketing, writing articles, blogs, press releases, and just putting content out there because Google feeds off content. The more text you have on your website, the easier it is for search engines to read, understand, and know what that page is about because they can't really read images or videos yet. They can read file names and they're getting better, but they really rely heavily on text. And Chat GPT will write you articles, blogs. <clears throat> social media content, and it's all 100% unique. And in the past, Google said, we don't like that. But about six months ago, they said that it's okay to use ChatGPT and all these other tools, as long as you offer value. So in the past, Google's like, we don't want AI and all these tools to write content for you. But now they're like, as long as it offers value for the reader, then it doesn't matter to Google. So that's going to take over a lot where essentially like content writers, articles, blogs, I feel like are probably going to just all be room with chat GPT in the future. I mean, like BuzzFeed fired over half their staff just to use chat GPT to create those listicles and articles. And it's interesting how it's going to change everything. I have to see, I want to copy it verbatim because it's not hundred percent accurate, but in a few years, it's going to be really, really accurate right now. I would definitely research what it puts out there and just double check because it's learning. The more people that use it, the more it's going to learn and the more accurate it's going to be, but it's still in the initial phases where it needs us to keep teaching and learning. Yeah. Why do you think that Google made that shift six months ago? Well, they just realized that everyone's going to be using it in the future. And as long as you offer value, they don't really care anymore. They're just like, I, I guess they can't really differentiate 
AI versus human brain content. There's tools that could kind of do it, but they're not accurate. So like that's probably why Google's like, we don't know how to differentiate it. I think ChatGP was saying they might watermark the content so schools could see if it's written by AI, but who knows how all that works. But like Google just realized we just want value. As long as they're offering value and it's original content, then it's fine. And ChatGP will write you 100% unique content, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's such a good point. I So I told you this, and I've probably talked about it on the podcast before, but in addition to my work as a coach, I also do a lot of freelance writing. And for most of the freelance writing clients that I work with, this SEO optimization piece is important for them because they're trying to market you know, themselves or the businesses that they serve and help them increase their traffic. And I've noticed that in the world of freelance writing, there are two types of organizations right now. There's the organization that says never use chat GPT. If we find out that you're using chat GPT, then we won't pay you for your content or we won't work with you anymore. And then there's the second type of organization that says chat GPT is here to stay. It's always going to be a part of the work that we do from here on out. Here are some best practices for when you do use it. One of them being, like you said, don't just copy it verbatim because it's not entirely accurate. But I think that the the message here is realizing whether you you know do something with SEO optimization or not, some of these tools that are coming about like ChatGPT are here to stay. We're you know I think back you said that you started doing SEO in 2007. 2007 was the year that the first iPhone was released. We had the internet before then, but I think that in a lot of ways iPhones changed the world as we know it. And I can't help but wonder if ChatGPT is going to have a similar effect. And so you can say that, you know, you can't use it and it's not helpful and you can stick to those old ways if you want. But people who incorporate ChatGPT into what they are doing, maybe some organizations and companies in larger ways than others, the people who figure out how to adapt what they're doing in accordance with what these tools can provide, they're the ones that are going to lap the companies, in my opinion, that just say, oh, it's not helpful and you can't use it. So that's kind of a soapbox, but I'm curious to hear if you have any thoughts on that. No, I mean, it's like back in the day, there was no calculators. When calculators came out, where people like, oh no, don't use a calculator to do math. It's like, no, let's do it because it makes you more efficient. You could work faster, smarter, harder and get stuff done. So same with ChatGPT, it's like, it's a tool to help you kind of just expedite everything and just grow much quicker. But again, just take everything with a grain of salt. It's not accurate yet. It's pretty close, but just don't take it all there yet. But in the future, it's probably just going to take over where it'll do all the work for you and take over a lot of jobs like customer service, like chat bots and all that stuff. It could just be chat GPT. There's no need for someone to answer a phone anymore about just basic questions. Chat GPT, you could learn it all or the chat screens on websites no need for people there anymore. So it's definitely going to take a lot of jobs away, but it's also going to offer a lot of new jobs where people could be prompters and try to write prompts for ChatGPT and just kind of create new emerging markets. And it's going to just make everyone's life much easier and just help us grow. Even though it's going to take a lot of jobs away, it's also going to offer new opportunities and make us so we're not just stuck doing some tedious work where it could do all the tedious stuff for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that there's something you said there that's so powerful. You know, there are problems that this creates potential job loss for people as a writer. I can identify that, you know, as much as a lot of people can writing being part of what I do, obviously. 
But then I also think that there's a lot of opportunity that it creates. And I think that as people, we can focus on the problems or we can focus on the potential opportunities. And focusing on those problems is not going to take them away. It's not going to solve them. But focusing on those opportunities could enable us to create something new and something good out of the world that is changing so quickly and so drastically. So, Brandon, this has been a fun conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot. I've been exposed to some new ideas and I'm thankful for that opportunity. Before we wrap up, tell us about where we can find you and if anyone's interested, where they can connect with you and learn more about what you're doing. Uh, So anyone watching or listening, I create a special gift for them. If they go to my website at seooptimizers.com, that's S-E-O-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash gift. They can find that there along with my contact information and a bunch of classes I've done over the years. I've thrown up for free. So if you want to see step-by-step, I do a lot of stuff that we talked about. They can watch that there. And also if they want a free website analysis from an SEO point of view, happy to check out their website and give them some feedback and they can book some time on my calendar there as well. That's awesome. And we'll link your website in the show notes as well. Brandon, thanks again for your time and for coming on the show to share your wisdom and your insight with us. Thank you for having me on. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going, though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle. And it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com and sign up for my midweek momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, or reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction in chapter one of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at bradyross.com. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com. And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it.